Blog Talk Radio. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, I'm Mel and welcome to another Empowered Love Radio Show. Today I have part two of parents empowering themselves for their children's sake. And last week I wrote on my blog what I believe is my most important article ever. That article, part one, was inspired as a result of the difference I see constantly between the thriver orientation, which occurs when we take the personal responsibility on to heal our own wounds and the rampant victimization model which is predominant in most narcissistic and sociopathic abuse communities. Absolutely, I really want you to understand I validate the pain of narcissistic abuse for people especially when children are involved And I know from personal experience, as well as having been connected with thousands of people going through this anguish, how tough it is. I also know that the continual focus on the narcissist and what he or she is doing creates total powerlessness and only feeds the narcissist, disables any effectiveness to get well and is poisoning and traumatizing our children as well as doing nothing at all to stop the cycles of abuse and abuse being passed on from generation to generation. I am passionate about the messages of this article series because I firmly know there is another way. There is a way to not only empower ourselves and come through the narcissistic experience as wiser, more solid, more capable more conscious, loving and complete beings than we ever could have been without this experience. But also, we are able to co-create this level of growth with our children, even the children who have a narcissistic parent. And I'm sharing some very special interviews with you today. These interviews are with women from the NARP community, Ladies who contacted me wanting to come forward and share their message, who have taken on the responsibility of their own healing and who are active participants in breaking the cycles of abuse not only for themselves but also for their future generations. When you listen to these stories, please take note. These women are not victims. They do not believe that what happened to them has caused them to be stuck in an endless cycle of regret, despair, blame, shame and powerlessness. In fact, these women are going on to better, more whole lives and selves than they ever previously have known. Not in despite of what happened, but rather because of what happened. The narcissistic abuse that led them back home to the one relationship that had always been missing until now. This was always about creating their true relationship with themselves, which now is the relationship they are modeling and generating for their children. The interviews 
start with a lady who is not a mother, who explains the legacy and damage of mothers who don't heal, followed by three more interviews with mothers and their children, and the interviews finish with a wonderful account from a young teenager who was angry and struggling with his mother for years, describing how wonderful their relationship is today. I want to thank everyone who has emailed me who is passionately standing for the circulation of these articles and for joining me in this quest to raise consciousness and to put an end to victimization and abuse in our world. We can take responsibility to put our focus firmly on ourselves and heal and the results are not only spectacular for ourselves but also for our children. The payoff for the effort is becoming and living a true life. So I really hope that you enjoy these interviews and please share the article on my blog and accompanying radio show, this show, in any forum where victimization is taking hostages and keeping people stuck in powerlessness and pain. Please also share with anyone you know who this can help. So now here are the interviews. Okay, I have an interview with Serena now and Serena's a little bit of a different story. Serena's not a parent, she's not a mother and when I put out to the NARC community group for people to really share their stories uh, in regard to parents healing for their children's benefit, Serena was really passionate. She came forward and she wanted to speak in relation to being a child, a daughter of, of a mother who actually never healed her wounds and what the effect has been growing up and the effect as an adult. So Serena, thank you so much for um, coming on radio. Yes, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So Serena... Just if you can share a little bit about your childhood and, and your mother and, and I mean she went through a narcissistic relationship so she was obviously very wounded. So what what was that like for you? Well, um, you know, by the time I became conscious because obviously there were years where I was just sort of watching her struggle. Um, I watched her struggle to function. And um, eventually when I was four, um, my grandmother decided to step in because it just wasn't the kind of environment to raise a kid in. So um, basically, in essence, I, I lost my mother. I mean, I, I still had contact with her. But um, I remember as a child, rather than acknowledging to myself that my mother wasn't being there for me, I always felt a lot of pity towards her. Um, I always felt very sorry for her that she was living in such a way where she wasn't enjoying life. She was just struggling. She was an extremely mentally ill, actually. But what I saw as a child was depression, not being able to hold a job, dysfunction, extreme post-traumatic stress, basically what she had. She was emotionally volatile. 
Mm. Um, her moods would swing. Um, talked about the past in a very negative way a lot. Um, very much. Um, and there was no, you know, but now I, I do this and this to take care of myself. It was just, you know, trying to convince me and basically commiserate with me, you know, and get me to feel sorry for her. And, um, which I resent now because, it's like, you're my mother. You know, she was my mother. should have been giving to me, and instead, she was extracting from me. She didn't have any other source to extract from because she wasn't there. Your father, it's interesting because uh, we've done a Thriver story before, and I know a little bit about your story. I know a lot about your story, but, but your dad, he was gone. This was after he'd left. And this was really, this was the aftermath, this was the carnage that was, was left when he went. You didn't have your father around, you only had your mother, but your mother didn't heal. No, she never healed. She, she was never able to get into a successful relationship or, you know, give me a father figure that I could actually look up to. You know, she... She had a few boyfriends, then she eventually just stopped dating at all because it was always a disaster. So, Serena, you moving on from there you know, into your own adult life, if, how old are you now, Serena? I'm 39. So you moving on into your adult life, how did you feel about yourself and your life and your relationships? Well, um, the first... The first person that I fell in love with, which I now realize is more just being in a codependent dance with, um, turned out to be a narcissist. And I guess that's not really a big surprise. But I got so down. I, I, I remember having the ability to love when I first got into that relationship or having the ability to, like, make a connection. After that relationship was over, I was just done with men for a while. And I thought, you know what? I guess I just won't even have kids because I don't want them to to get abused like I did. That actually was uh, um, kept out of my life. So there'd been a legacy of narcissism in your family? Big, yes, very much so. My grandfather was actually so, uh, a, an antisocial narcissistic personality, and um, he ended up killing himself. He was only about 29 years old or somewhere. My mom was only eight when he killed himself. So he just completely abandoned the situation, too, didn't even try. And, I mean, my, my family, my grandmother and her children, went from very happy... Um, from the beginning of their relationship to getting abused to just in, you know, depression and despair. And, you know, there was lots of mental illness on in everybody. So you your grandmother, recover. your grandmother, she, she didn't recover? Like what? Did no, you... she didn't recover either. She spent her entire life completely alone. Um, she One of the reasons why she enjoyed raising me is because at least she wasn't completely alone but she did still pass on that wound unhealed completely unhealed 
and I think the the really hard thing back then was even psychology and counselling wasn't really recognised, let alone deeper energetic shifting tools. There was really nothing. So, yeah, people of my grandmother's generation didn't air their dirty laundry, which even to a private therapist would have been, that's what, how they would have felt about it. And then we've only had recently where the whole psychology counselling thing has been accepted and then again only recently we've really hit the subconscious shifting tools. Hence why these legacies have just kept going on and on and on and on. Serena, you've done a pretty good job considering because you've had two antisocial sociopaths, narcissists in your life, one of them committed suicide as well. Yes, the, the, the last one that I really, really did not do well after that one. And then I found out a few months later after I parted from him that he mm. had committed suicide. And I know, Serena, that when you came forward, you said that I would have loved to have had kids. That's something that I would have wanted to do, but I've chosen not to do that. Can you just really elaborate a little bit more on that? Yes, I actually have a small hope that I may have kids before I'm 45 if I can heal and choose a proper partner. But mm, Lots of women do now. Yeah. Definitely yeah. that window's still open for you. Yes, Great. I still have a, a, a chance. So for a fact, I won't choose a good partner if I don't heal myself. It's just going to be more of the same. You know, I, I, I've proven that to myself. So that's why I throw myself into my recovery so much. My first boyfriend, he actually wanted to have a child and I just flat said no because you're not stable, you don't have a job, I'm not going to, you know, have you plus a kid. Because it it was that codependent where like I was paying for things and, you know, he just was not responsible and I thought, he's not going to stay with me, he's going to run from the responsibility. and. I don't want to do that to a child because I know how much it hurts. Which is really beautiful that you've taken on that level of understanding. And and of course, a lot of women, when they're in there, we just didn't know any differently. And yeah, but it's great that you can make some conscious choices now. and, And so how long have you been in recovery now and what's happening with your recovery? Um, I've been in recovery for narcissistic abuse for about a year and eight months, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I listen to the NARP, and I also do the Divine Mother, Divine Father. And um, I'm I'm doing well in the NARP, but I still have lots of work to do with the Divine Mother, Divine Father. Getting that, getting my... I'm, what I'm trying to do is get myself to be my own loving parent and replace that energy. Absolutely, and get it directly from source. It, beautiful, and that's a great orientation. Yes, plugged in, I call it. Plugged in and filled up and, and unconditionally loved and adored by that source, by existence, and that just washes away all of those old wounds, no matter how traumatic they are. And we had a little bit of a discussion before we started doing this recording, which was, as you said, and I totally agree, that when you've gone to the depths of despair in narcissistic abuse, if you don't do the work, you feel, you feel like or you know you're going to die. And I know that you've been there. Yes, absolutely. I, I think, well, first of all, if I would have stayed in that relationship, 
it's highly likely that would that would have been a murder suicide because that's how controlling and possessive he was. Um, <laughs> if if I didn't die from some other you know car accident or you know because I was just a mess, anything could have happened, and I certainly could have committed suicide myself just out of sheer misery. I'm lucky to be alive. I consider myself fortunate. You've done a great job, and Serena, you're studying medicine. I am. What are you wanting to do with that? I want to be a psychiatrist. But if I can, um, because it's a little more work, but uh, if I can, I want to work with children. Yeah, that would be, that's my dream. That's my dream job. I love that. Wonderful. Mm, You're turning purpose. You're you're turning what you went through into purpose. Well, Serena, thank you so much for sharing, and I hope your story can motivate parents out there to break these cycles because that's what these interviews are all about yes thank you Serena for coming on and sharing it's been lovely okay great thanks for having me okay take care you too okay and I have Kerry here with me now and Kerry's going to be sharing her story about her experiences and her situation with her children when she was working on herself. So, Kerry, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Kerry, how were things for you and your children before you started healing yourself? Well, I just have the one. I just have one one child who's 16. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, before, especially during the relationship, I mean, I was, you know, it was very clear that I spent a very long time and especially in the last few years really just trying to keep the illusion alive, just trying to believe that I still had an intact family or at least a family that I was, you know, really trying hard to, to fix and, and somehow keep together despite the fact that I was pretty much constantly unhappy and, you know, constant red flags that things were not going well and, you know, knew, especially towards the end, that my daughter was seeing all of this and even though it wasn't a lot of, um, you know, outright fighting or those kinds of things, it was still just a home full of stress and tension all the time. And, uh, you know, I, I knew that my daughter was really seeing that I was the one that was trying to hold things together and that, uh, you know, I was often the one that was, I found myself always running interference between her and her father and, and, uh, you know, he would be incredibly demanding or really, really critical and and so I just found I was always sort of stepping in between them and it was just such an uncomfortable place to be, you know, for both of us and, and, you know, I mean, she's she tried really hard to see the good in him, and I think that's sort of where she still is. Is she still, she still, you know, she's 16. She still wants to have a relationship with her dad, and she's yeah. trying, you know. So she she's trying to still see what good there is in him that you know she can hold on to, um, you know. But it just made me want to protect her all the time, and especially when I'd see her, you know, trying to reach out to him or trying to, you know, still play that role of sort of trying to fix things, you know, it just, it, it was terrifying to me, especially after the relationship ended. So when you were trying to intercept with her and really sort of lead her, how was her relationship with you at that point? Um, 
fortunately, we've always had a really, really good relationship. It's been that, that, you know, safe, that safe place to land is what I've kind of always called it, you know, like I'm the, the safe port in the storm. Unfortunately, though, it sometimes puts me in that position of taking on all of the, you know, the pain she's feeling or the heartbreak she's going through. And before I started working on myself, that was me just owning all of it because I would own all my stuff and all her stuff and all his stuff, owning everybody's stuff. (laughs) And it was just overwhelming. And it's really, it's so hard to give our kids the space to find their own stuff and their own evolution in it when we're just trying to do it for them. Oh, absolutely. And especially when, you know, you maybe haven't necessarily been a great role model or doing things really in a healthy way yourself and then have some freedom to make choices is a really scary thing. You know, and especially at the age that she is and getting ready to start thinking about going off to school and things. So it's it's really scary to give her that space to let her make her own decisions. So how did you decide to work on yourself, Kerry, and, and, and when and what brought that about? Um, well, we after we split up, after we separated, once everything sort of came to a head um, and then I asked, him to, to leave essentially once he moved out then it really didn't take me long to start doing some you know googling and some searching and just trying to you know find some answers and I found you know you Mel and, and the, the NARP stuff pretty quickly after that and I bought the program and I sat on it for a little while and thought what am I doing and then the more that I read and the more that I looked at it and the more that I started to read the ebooks I started to realize that, that this was it, it, that it was, you know, it was what I needed to do, you know, like, a, so, you know, after 20 years of being married and 25 years with this person, I, you know, suddenly knew that all of the answers were right here, I just had to turn inwards, you know, and so I, I started realizing that instead of, you know, continuing to tell myself stories, which is what I had done to keep the illusion alive, I realized that I had to take it to a module or my journal or, you know, just doing something nice for myself, which I had neglected for a really, really long time. So, you know, it just meant reconnecting with me. And I had really, I don't know if I ever really did that. (laughs) Before, I don't think a lot of us ever did that. We certainly didn't. So what then started happening with with your daughter and what was unfolding with your ex and how did you change and what changed? Um, So, I mean, I just, I knew that one of the first things that sort of started happening at the beginning was realizing that I had to start letting go of needing any particular outcome from any of it, whether it was, you know, I mean, we're still at this point not, not divorced and... Uh, not really, you know, everything's sort of at a standstill at the moment. There's no child support. There's no, you know, no legal decisions being made. And uh, so, you know, I just realized that I had to let go of needing any particular outcome other than to find myself again and to um, learn to be happy because I just felt like I hadn't been happy in so long. And then, you know, I started realizing with my daughter that the more I held on, 
the more I watched her like facing the same things that I had faced in the relationship with him. You know, now I see him doing those same things to her. And that the more that scared me and the more that I tried to control it and tried to, to make a certain outcome, I realized that in a lot of ways I was manipulating her, you know, in just another way as he was manipulating her. And I really didn't want to do that. So I, I just kept thinking, you know, kept realizing through, you know, the reading of the e-books and starting to do the modules that it was about facing those fears and not letting them spin me, you know, out of control and, and into another direction and into more stories and more ego stuff. So I just really started, you know, facing those fears and those when situations would arise, I would take it to a module. So, you know, I, I think there were sort of two things, two situations that came out that were really, really clear to me that I was like, oh my God, this is working. Like this is, this is what I, this is the answer. This is what I need to do. And so one of them was my daughter and I, she was, you know, at my mom's place out of town and we were having a phone conversation and she you know, was, you know, as 16-year-old girls do, she was, you know, speaking to me in a certain way. And, and instead of me getting all upset, I just said to her, listen, I'm not going to continue this conversation mm. like this. And so we hung up and, uh, you know, I thought, okay, that was good because I, I stood up for myself. I didn't let her continue to talk to me in a disrespectful sort of way. But I also didn't, you know, turn it around on her to humiliate her or embarrass her or whatever. I just said, Let's just stop talking. And so I took it then right to a module, and I, I went to the goal-setting module because, you know, I've been doing NARP, so, you know, didn't, I, I decided to go to the goal-setting one. And I just put in the goal, I'm enough, and I'm happy with who I am, and I don't need my daughter or anyone else to behave a certain way in order for me to feel okay. Mm, and cool, cool. I started to work on that. Yeah, and I started to work on that, and it was just, I think all the things that started coming up for me were all of those messages I got from my mom, which was that if I don't, if you don't agree with me, you don't respect me or you don't love me. And, and I just, I, I really didn't want my daughter to come up with that, that sort of same message that, you know, you don't have to be in agreement with somebody to, to love them. Yeah. them. Well, that's conditional and, love, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That was huge. And, and, and what was so amazing to me, that I didn't even finish the module and the phone started to ring and you know you switch the devices off but not the home phone <laughs> the home phone started ringing and I saw it was my daughter so I, I answered the phone and you know it was her saying I'm sorry for the way I spoke to you and and we just had a really nice conversation and we just let everything go you know it just it we you know she apologized and you know, I just said, I understand, it's okay, and I'm trying to understand what you're going through, and, and we just, you know, I yeah. didn't even finish the module, and there she was <laughs> already, right? And that happens so, so often. When we have an energy shift, it's like something in the field, you know, whatever it's about, just does a big breakthrough. Yeah. And, and then the second time, um, it was like, just, it was even more profound to me than the first time. Um, is that, you know, we were driving home from somewhere in the car together, and again, she was really sort of had that, you know, angry, sort of mouthy, you know, voice, and, and, and I knew that it wasn't about me, that it was about how upset she was because she had recently received the news that her father was moving his girlfriend into his new place. 
And so she was, you know, she was pretty devastated. I I knew that that was what the anger was about, that it wasn't about me. So instead of trying to talk it out and make it about me somehow, I just, when we got home, I, you know, said I'm going to go outside and just get some fresh air. And I went with my journal and, you know, my MP3 player, and uh, I just used Quantum Freedom Healing and... I started to, uh, to to work on the just sort of the process of thinking, okay, what is this about? What's this about for me? What it, why why? Because what I started to feel in the car was abandoned and alone beside her, and you know, having a fight. But I'm I'm feeling just abandoned, and so I thought, what is this about? Why do I feel like this when this happens? And so um, I just I I pictured basically myself as the little me. I was standing completely alone in this huge empty space and feeling completely frantic, like just searching in every direction for where to go or who was going to come and help me or or and then and then beyond who's going to come and help me, it was about me trying to figure out what direction to go because who did I need to fix or speak to or change something or you know what direction do I go and I thought I feel like I've been here my whole life in this spot in this big open space not knowing what direction to go and so I just connected with my little me and I saw myself say to myself you know can I can I be with you and I started to cry and I cried probably more than I've cried since the breakup like that wow like sitting in my backyard sobbing, <laughs> you know, feeling completely happy afterwards because I thought, that's it, that's all I needed to do and not abandon myself. And and that the more that I don't self-abandon, then the more I can be there for my daughter too. Yes, and then, then the more she's attracted to being there for you. Exactly. I came in the house and we just had this like, completely open, beautiful conversation that was all about connection, which is all I really want with my daughter. And you connected with you. You laid that template down in your backyard and then, of course, so within, so without. That's so gorgeous. It was huge, yeah. Beautiful. So did he try to triangulate? Did he try to set her up against you? What happened with that? Um, his relationship with her, I mean, for me, my um, narc experience has been one of basically complete devalue and discard. Sure. Once, once it was done, it was done for him. He walked completely in every way, shape, or form. Yep. And that's why it's been such a struggle to even get um, any response whatsoever for the divorce process. Her, it's become really just like their relationship's always been really sort of strained. It's just one where it's all about him, like yeah. everything about his timing, when he wants to see her, what he wants to pay for. You know, he changes times. He, you know, changes at the last minute. Yes. Cancels, rearranges. It's it's all that kind of stuff. So it's just her being sort of at his beck and call, and um, she tries to get him to communicate like I did for a long time, and and now I just I see that she's always up against what I was up against and that's, you know, I you know, the word salad, mm. the avoidance, the denial, mm. the lack of accountability, all of that stuff. 
How, what are you doing with this? Um, well, I think at the beginning, I was really desperately trying to control it because I couldn't stand watching her go through the same thing. And now I, I, I'm trying, you know, as best I can to trust as the wisdom and the strength that she sees her father for who he is, but that it still has to be her choice how much of a relationship she has with him mm, absolutely. and what she spends with him and and that I'm still there for her, but I'm no longer the doormat that just takes everything that she's feeling, stirs her up, and then he drops her off at home, and I am left with all of the sort of emotions that she's feeling and and so I'm trying not to just put myself in that position where I'm just always the punching bag or the doormat I'll, I'll mm. be the safe spot in the storm I have no yeah. trouble with that, that you know rule but I don't want to be the punching bag or the doormat so I'm doing a much better job now of being able to stand up for myself and saying you know um, this is something that you're going to have to talk to your father about or you know, those kinds of, and just really, I guess, setting boundaries for myself. Yeah. Is this having a better effect with her? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, she's, uh, you know, I haven't seen her have one of those times to come home and just be completely devastated in a long time. Um, she she really laid down some boundaries with him about the, the new girlfriend, and she said, you know, she's not ready to meet her yet and not ready to have her in her life so she said if her father wants to see her it has to be somewhere other than his house right now and that wasn't your prompting that was her stuff no it was hers that was all hers yeah she made that decision because uh, I even tried to say to her listen like don't make this about me if you want to meet her and you know don't think it's going to hurt me like you need to do what you need to do with your with your dad and and this was her decision completely how fantastic, because we can so understand, can't we, how mothers would just be, well, you're not meeting her, and I don't want you there, and bad-mouthing him, and of course, because when you're in pain, you do. Simply open, mm. honest conversations about him together, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about things, but I, I try not to ever just let it become, you know, talking bad about him for the sake of that, you know. And how are you feeling about him and his life now? Well, I think, you know, I would be lying to say that I didn't still, that I'm not still, you know, hopeful that some things are going to start to change. I would like to get my divorce, but I'm also very much, I've very much learned that that doesn't define me anymore. It's not, it's not who I am, like whether I still am married to him or not at this point, it doesn't define who I am and it doesn't define whether or not I can be happy. You know, I think that's that's been a big step for me is is just uh, saying it it doesn't really matter what he's doing now as long as I'm doing what I need to do for me that that's that's all that's important. That's fantastic. And your daughter would be saying that now. Such a change from our kids seeing us as victimized to when we do start generating and opening up that space to be our own life. Yeah. I just came up with the other day something kind of came into my mind and I just wrote it down afterwards and I just thought, you know, I want to live the life I want her to see and live the life I want her to be. Oh, gosh, that's gorgeous. Yeah, and it just kind of popped into my head and I was like, oh, i got to write that one down. Oh, that's beautiful. That's one to definitely share. 
Yeah, so I think that's been the biggest thing is realizing that the more I empower myself, the more that's what she sees. And I think that was, you know, a bit a strong message in your first um, segment of this radio show too mm-hmm. was, you know, that whole idea of the more you empower yourself, the more your kids see that and <clears throat> then that's the path they're going to follow. Yeah, they take it on. There's no doubt about it. So, Kerry, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your... How, just before we do go, how long have you been out of the relationship now? Uh, it will be two full years since separation in December. Mm, you're doing so great. A year, and, a year and a half. Yeah, a year and a half. So You're doing fantastically. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm pretty pretty happy with where I'm at, for sure. I mean, there's still lots that I want to work on, and I'm, you know, working on the self-empowerment course. I want to do some focus on the family of origin stuff this summer. Uh, yeah, definitely moving in the right direction. That's fantastic. Thank you, Kerry, for sharing with this this mission to help inspire parents. <laughs> it's it's just awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm glad that I could be, uh, you know, some help. Okay. All right, Carrie. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye now. And I have an interview now with Teresa. And welcome, Teresa. Thank you for being a part of this radio show. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you for having me here today. You're very, very welcome. So, Teresa, what if you could share what was happening for you and your children before you started working on healing yourself? In our family, I was thinking about this yesterday, um, this same question, and I was thinking that it was almost as if um, like a production, like my husband was the producer and we were the players in his little world. So, you know, everything was his way. He was very demanding, very controlling. So we felt like the whole, our whole family revolved around um, my narcissistic husband and and it all had to do with this little game he was playing and we had to live up to his expectations and to play the role he had for us I mean it was um, you know life was not what on the outside what people saw on the outside was definitely not what was going on in the home it was two different worlds and we had we had a part to play and we needed to look good for that part so so to keep that image of what he wanted that image of who he thought he was so it was very artificial that's the word i was trying to think of so it was so unreal and and artificial and um demanding it was demanding and and we never measured up and it was just a it was very exhausting very tiring (laughs) and what was your dynamic with the children at at that point well literally I was I was exhausted I was just dying inside I mean I was working so hard trying to be the perfect wife the perfect mother to make it a happy home to make it um you know so the children would have a good uh relationship with their mom and dad and that with me and it was exhausting because i felt like i was it was a battle i was never going to win because i was the one parent who was real who was trying to see things as they actual actually were and that contrast of the other person in the home who the children looked at, the older they got, looked at and said, 
you know, I mean, he's nothing. We see him one way outside the home, one way in the home. We see how he treats us in a totally different, charming, wonderful way he treats others outside the home. And um, the children were, they tended to come to me because he was unable to express feelings, unable to really understand their questions or things they were going through. So the children tended to um, draw toward me because I was the more, I hate to use this word, real person, but I was the person in the relationship that they could identify with because uh, I was evolving, I was growing, I was learning, and I wasn't playing this game. I was real. I was, was, and I hate this word, I was the healthy parent. I was trying to be a healthy parent, but um, it it was exhausting, and my children, as the older they got, began to really were uncomfortable with the way I was being treated. They were uncomfortable with the way their father was treating them because it was so different from the way he treated others. Um, and and they were very upset that we were almost second best. We were getting the leftovers, and they weren't happy with that. And I wasn't happy with that. And I was just, I was just trying to make everybody happy and feel good. And it it got to the point where I just I couldn't do it anymore. I I had nothing left inside to give. But at the same time, I wanted my children, I didn't want my children to see this uh, powerless, voiceless, you know, victim of a mother. And at the same time, I was empty. So it was a real conflict of interest right there. It was a real conflict of where do I go from here? Uh, Show me the road. (laughs) Show me what to do. So when, when did you really actively decide that you had to work on yourself and empower yourself? That happened actually, Melanie, when somebody sent me your website and said, Teresa, you need to read this because this sounds like you and this sounds like your husband and I think this will help. And I did. And it was the first time I really understood what narcissistic uh, behavior was. I had no idea that my energy was being drained. I had no idea that somebody had taken my voice, had taken my life. I mean, I was dying inside. I was being emptied inside because it was all going toward him. And all of a sudden, I lost myself. I lost who I was. And this whole circus and whirlwind of, of me, 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 which all you know, centered around him. He was the spotlight. Um, I just, and I am a very, I grew up being very open, very, um, you know, not introverted, but very introspective, I guess you can say, very spiritual feelings, you know, and all that kind of thing. And I lost myself. And I remember thinking, I remember telling my children um, at the point that I realized something had to be done, telling my children that I, I don't like myself when dad's here. I don't like myself when I'm around your dad. Um, I don't like who I'm becoming. I don't like who I am right now. And something has to change. And it was that time that I, I started working on your modules and began to see that the more, the more, the deeper and the more I became or began uh, loving myself or beginning to know how to love myself and to start nurturing myself again and, and, um, getting back that voice and that power, it seemed that the less 
he, my husband or my narcissistic husband, the less he had an influence over me and the less he could take. Of course, that made him furious, and the children saw that. It was like a little battle every time we were together, a little sparks flying. Because um, all of a sudden, um, I, was, I, I was drawing boundaries. I was saying, I will do this, I won't do this. You will not talk to me this way or the children this way. You understand we have a voice and an opinion, not you you know, it's not just you anymore. There's others, you know, that have a life here, and you need to be respectful of that. And um, and he didn't. I mean, he didn't. He didn't want to. He was very manipulative. Yeah. So did he try to triangulate you with the children? Did he try and turn them against you? Oh, absolutely. Where were you with that now that you were working on yourself? What did you do? Well, for one thing, I wasn't pleased that he tended to say, well, you know, if I can't get to Teresa, if I can't get to my wife, then I'm going to let the children know, you know, that just who she is on the inside and what kind of person she is. And he, he's a yeah, habitual liar, but he tended not only to do that with my children, but with friends or people that we around, you know, to color yeah. me in a way that wasn't very attractive. And when I found that out, because my feeling was, and I'm, I'm so glad I never told talked bad about their dad. I didn't criticize him in front of them. I did not, you know, talk bad about him. Um, And I think the children, after a while, began to realize they respected mom. Mom was the more mature one. She was the one saying, okay, I'm going to work on myself. You know, I'm not going to try to change him or change anybody but myself right now. I'm going to make myself myself healthy and the children were drawn to that my kids were really really drawn to that because I think uh, when they saw that I began began to get healthy and strong again I, I got happy you know I started having energy I started living some of my dreams you know I started being myself again the children were really really attracted to that and this is the thing when we have parental alienation is once the non-narc parent starts getting smeared if they start fighting back and defending well then they can get really lined up and they can get really terrorized and they can get really pulled apart and then the children will actually turn it turn away from them exactly that's exactly right and my children have told me that that's one thing that they admire me for is that they don't have to worry about when they're with me, they don't have to take sides or they don't have to defend their dad or they don't have to listen to me um, talk badly about him. And I told them, I said, well, you know, there's no time for that. And that drains all the good that's inside of you. I mean, it drains joy when you're constantly thinking about getting back at someone. or It just drains you of all the joy or all the things that you're working on inside of you it takes you a few steps back and I don't believe in that I and not that I talk good about him but I just let it go I just I I mainly focus when I'm with my kids on the things that I'm doing that I feel good about myself and we talk about the things that each of us are doing to to help ourselves grow you know and to mature and yeah you know what did you do this past week that made you feel really good about yourself or made you, you feel like hey you know I'm okay, <laughs> all right, and the children really love this because sometimes they'll do it, um, you know, before I have a chance to ask the question, they'll ask it, and it's such a different 
when they're with me and their father, and I'm not saying I'm a better parent, because I he did, he tried to be a parent, but when somebody doesn't have the capacity to love or feel compassion or to have emotions, I mean, they can't be loved. They can't be what their children expected him to be. He never will be that. And I, that's one of the things I try to explain to my children is, you know, he will always be your father. You need to respect him, but don't expect him to love you the same way you see other fathers love their children because he's unable to do that. Um, yeah. Not that he doesn't want to, but he's not able to right now. And and that's, I think that's helpful for them to know that, that I can love my dad, but I'm not going to expect something that he can never give back. And how are that's, they going with their boundaries? Does he push their boundaries? Oh, yes, he does. They stand up to him. They will say, you know, Dad, no, you know, um, I'm sorry, but, you know, I'm going to spend Christmas with Mom. Don't make me feel guilty because I'm not going to be with you. You know, I I love you both, but this is something I already planned to do. And, I mean, they're very direct with their dad about, and um, cause, well, you know what they're like. They're very... How do I say, uh, project guilt and shame oh, on you? Of course, of course they do. You, you know, they, yeah, relationships <laughs> with narcissists aren't healthy, full stop. <laughs> Teresa, would it be really fair to say that because you modelled boundaries and you modelled your, your empowerment, that really led the way for your kids to be able to be in their solidness with him? Oh, absolutely. I think that getting back my voice again and not being the victim and getting back my power and getting back that ability and learning how to love myself and to get, you know, to just get all the junk out and put back in all the things that, you know, are needed to to have a healthy relationship, not with others, but with yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. And when my children see that, they're on the road to that too. I believe that, um, and I see that with their relationships that they're having. My daughter, you know, with her relationship, she said, I could share this voice right, right now. She said, Mom, I know what real love is. I know what um, is healthy relationship and what is not. And she said, that's a good thing, Mom. You know, if anything came out of the situation with you and Dad, I've learned, you know, how to... Um, how to nurture a healthy relationship and, and when to run from a relationship. Well, she saw her mother leave. She saw her mother yes. say enough. And that's enough so important. Yes. Yes. So important enough for our daughters, mums out there, that they see oh, a yes. mum that says, you know what, I deserve better than this. That's right. That's right. And I stopped the pattern. And that's what makes me so proud of myself is I stopped that pattern of victimness and that uh, not having a voice, powerlessness. I stopped it here. It stops here. It's hard when you're having to stand up and be the one to say, okay, we're going to move forward and we're not going to move the way we've always been or all this other junk. But we're leaving that behind and we're starting new. This is a new beginning from now on. And... Um, I feel proud of that in myself, but I feel proud that my children have picked up on that and said, from now on, Mom, you know, we, you know, we want to keep growing and learning, and, and I'm getting ready to move overseas, and my children, you know, I thought they might be a little sad, but they were like, no, Mom, go for it. You're living your dream, Mom. You know, we, now we want to, you know, what can we do? We're thinking, oh, my, 
my son said the other day at lunch, he said, I'm thinking, what can I do? You know, what can I do to get out there and live? You know, and he says, when I see my mom come out of a hard situation and she is, uh, she learned from it, she took what she learned, and she made good out of it, and now she's happy, and she's going to live her life, and she's, she's going to be a, well, he didn't say inspiration, I can't remember the word he said, but that's the only word I get to go right now, but, you know, she's an inspiration to others to don't give up on yourself, don't, it's not, this isn't the end of the road, okay, it's not the end. No, and, gosh, it's just the beginning. Yes. We yes. get released and we evolve from it and, and right. we expand in ways we actually never could have before this happened to us. That's changing. Right. Oh, it is. And it feels so good. I remember in one of your modules, you're talking about the pain and, oh, it was so painful. And some of those modules, I knew before I did them how painful it was going. I'd already gotten the Kleenex box out because I knew that was going to be very, very hard. But when it was done and everything, oh, I'd gotten that out and the rubbish, as you say. I'd gotten it all out and to the side and let the light come in and let the, the what was truth come in. Oh, it was glorious. There was no feeling like it in the world. And you can't go back. I mean, once no, you've you got can't. that out and you've got the the light and the truth in its place, you know, you don't want to get, it's like, you know, oh, yeah, I'll take the steak. I'm not going to exchange it for a hot dog now. I already know what the truth is. I already know what the real thing is. <laughs> so. Oh, that's gorgeous. Well, Teresa, thank you so much for sharing. And it's so beautiful, the inspiration that you're being with your children oh. and how they're going to really model it now for their children. It's just, oh. this is what it, this is breaking the pattern. I love this. Yes. Well, I have enjoyed talking with you so much. And thank you so much for letting me share my story and my journey thus far. Because it's not over. It's just begun. Yeah. <laughs> and just quickly thank before you. you go, Teresa, how long has it been since you left? Um, it's been a year and a half. And just um, look at you, you're flying. I know. Oh, and that's what forever so recovery is all about when we do it from the oh. inside out. Yeah. None of yes. these five, ten, fifteen, twenty years down the track still battered oh. victim. Forget it, forget it, forget it. There's a better way. Oh definitely. Definitely. Thank you so much for sharing, Teresa. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right, darling, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye bye. Okay, bye. So I've got Tammy now, and Tammy's going to share her story about her and her son and her healing journey. So Tammy, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Tammy, what was happening for you and Noah, your son, before you started working on healing yourself? Yeah, I left Noah's dad in uh, about six years ago and um, uh, it was a really really difficult time and um, he was very upset about me leaving and he um, he was very uh, hurt and, and and upset we had been trying to work things out for many years and um, and it was really really difficult for Noah he was uh, told that um, I had ruined his and his father's life. He was told that um, I, I had taken him away from the family home, just told a lot of things that were very upsetting to him. And he was, he was very angry with me, and 
he remained angry with me for several years. And during this past six years that I I did leave his father, I um, kind of spiraled into depression and despair and got involved with not one but three different sociopathic individuals. And um, the last one who I married and left um, about... 15 months ago and we've been divorced for since November of 2013 but it's been a really challenging time I was uh, I had complex post-traumatic stress disorder when I left him last May and I uh, I was I've I've been suicidal off and on um, from starting to find out things about him that I didn't hadn't previously known um, and uh, it spiraled down after I left him and when I left him I didn't have a job we didn't have a place to live we were staying with people and I was just I had lost a lot of my family and friends very classic story and Noah although he's a very smart kid and, and has done pretty well in school his attitude toward me has has been well really he's just been reflecting and mirroring where I've been um, mm. and it's been frustrating for me um, and for him but but he's been angry at me and disengaged and disrespectful so when did you decide to start working on you yeah I um, when I left my now ex-husband last May um, I, we tried to work things out for about five months I just so did not want to believe what was happening was happening and so didn't want to believe that it was real and so every attempt to try to hoover me back in I, I, I tried I mean we went to counseling we tried all kinds of different things and um, it was uh, with an incident that happened last July of 2013 that I I actually purchased your program and um, started working on myself sporadically while I was still engaging with him somewhat and it wasn't until we actually did get divorced that I really started doing quantum freedom healing at least once a day and sometimes multiple times a day mm -hmm. um, often um, and uh, really started seeing incredible results over the past oh I will say three months um, um, doing quantum free healing and studying law of attraction and um, really knowing that if I didn't do something drastically different um, I was going to repeat the same pattern and I, I'm not going to live through that again. Uh, I really felt that. I, I was really, really sick this last time and um, I, I just realized that something was going to have to change significantly. And after reading all of your, I mean, really just engaging wholeheartedly with your program and, and all your blogs and radio blogs and written blogs and understanding um, how things 
really work in terms of law of attraction, I, I realized I had attracted all of those situations and even the relationship with my son through um, where I, how I was feeling in my body. Mm. So I, I made a, I, I haven't been, I just recently got a job, but I hadn't been working and I, I devoted myself 100% to my healing process. And um, really um, hit it hard in January of this year, and um, just in the last couple months, getting into that thriving place. And how has it changed with Noah and you now? What does that look like now? Now our relationship is amazing, and he—I mean, not to say that we don't still have mother and son you know issues at times you know take the garbage out or whatever but um, (laughs) but just in terms of the relationship it's just so much more clear and loving and we can talk about everything and anything and um because i have devoted myself to loving loving myself he reflects that right back to me and um i he tells me he loves me oh sometimes 10 times a day he's just incredibly respectful it's it has just it's really a 180 degree turn from from how it was it um um we are just our interactions are very loving and kind and um it it's exactly the way i would want it to be we're we're on the same page um he's doing really well in school he um you know helps out he he offers insight that is really incredible about things that are going on and it it's amazing to me one of the things that he just recently said that I thought was so profound as we were driving and he had seen um, my recent ex-husband at a, at a concert that he was at and he had this, he's 13 years old, had this incredible insight and said to me, Mom, um, you have to realize that you're part of a bigger process and you're part of a bigger web of existence and if you're trying to set yourself apart from that, you're just going to be, continue to create unhappiness. Oh, my goodness. And I, thought, I couldn't believe he said that. It was just such profound wisdom coming out of such a young guy. But he's, he's seen a lot, and I, I want to say unfortunately, but I think that he's a, he's a much stronger, wiser human being because of what we have been through. Absolutely. And, and I'm just grateful that I did find your work and the Quantum Freedom Healing because I've never felt so good in my entire life. Um, and and um, I see how that impacts Noah and his success in our relationship. Oh, it's so beautiful. And Tammy, you know, before we started this interview, you were telling me that well, you're renovating, you're selling, you're buying another house, 
you've started this job that you love, you've met a great guy that you're starting <laughs> to date. <It's> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I keep, uh, you know, I've I've listened to so many Law of Attraction videos over time, and, you know, they keep saying um, it's it's not all supposed to happen at the same time, and I keep saying that it wasn't supposed to happen all at the same time because it's, it's really moving very quickly in terms of, I mean, just life, just getting, mm-hmm. finding work for the first time in three years, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, um, wanting to live in a house that's in a school district where Noah can go to the best school and um, so yeah the renovating this current house and working and uh, buying another house and then this man showing up um, and navigating that from a a very new way of being um, which is really powerful Um, it's it's just a lot (laughs) but I'm really grateful for it oh it's so gorgeous is so beautiful because it was only a few months ago and Tammy's a moderator in the NARP group and just been in the forum and just been an incredible but so what I've loved you've just been so honest you've been so raw you've been so real all the way through like you've been guiding and leading but you've just been so powerfully sharing this is what I'm going through guys you know this is what I'm shifting this is this is my challenge at the moment and just such beautiful self-honesty you've led by example powerfully and you've shared yourself warts and all and I've just loved watching you do that that's what a healer is that's what a healer is meant to be and you've broken through hugely uh, in the last yeah I've just seen you just take off yeah it, it really it really is happening and it's it's moving um, mm. it, it's extremely moving but I, I think you know when you get to that point where you feel like you've lost everything, including your own dignity and, and cool. um, your zest for life. It's, there's really no other way to be. At some point, it's just you realize that the only way you are going to move through this is by telling the truth and being authentic. So, and I really thank you. Thank you so much for all of your support and help um, and getting here. Well, I've just adored helping you. As soon as anybody's like, okay, well, you know, this is my stuff. This is my wounding. I'm going to be real. I'm going to be raw. I'm going to let my ego go. I'm going to heal from the inside out. I'll back that 300% because that was my journey. That was the only way I was going to survive and get well. Yeah. You're a glowing example. Uh And I'm looking at you on cam at the moment and you just look, you look glowing. You look amazing. Thank you. I love it. Now, we're going to have no. This is really quite special because Noah wanted to share with us. Yes, yes lo- he does. I love that. So, pop yeah. him on. Pop him on. We'll get him I'm on. Get, get to Noah now. Here he is. Gorgeous. All right, Noah. Hey, Noah. Okay. Lovely to meet you. Thank you so much for coming on. No problem. No stress. You know, this is going to be about 5,000 people listen to you. That's okay. (laughs) He he doesn't mind. That's good. That's good. So, Noah, I I really want to ask you, how are things with your mum different now than what they used to be? 
Well, before I feel like she was um, she was really just being broken down by by the ex-husband. Now she's really stronger because she's free to do what she wants now. He was really tying her down to a lot of stuff she didn't want to do. Yeah. <laughs> and how did that make you feel? Like watching that and seeing your mum go through that. What was that like for you? Well, it was it was really bad seeing that, especially like experiencing it firsthand because he did it to both of us. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think of your mum now? She's just amazing. <laughs> Isn't she cool? I guess so. <laughs> oh, yeah, just a little bit. I think she rocks. 13-year-olds say their mom is cool. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, your friends aren't going to see this. Yeah. Well, you look great. You look really happy. Oh, thanks. You do. Well, really and you're a very handsome young man. You look a lot like your mum. Oh, well, I'm glad you're happy, and I'm good. And it must be gorgeous seeing your mum. Have you ever seen your mum this good? Can you remember her? Is she, is she a different woman now? I, I would say so. so I, back when she was unmarried and uh, just got out of the relationship with my father, she seemed pretty happy. Yeah. But since then, I've never seen her as happy as she is now. Aww. Thank you so much, Noah, for coming on and sharing. I think that's beautiful, and we're going to get more young people on. You've set a precedent now. All right. <laughs> good job. Good job, and keep up the good work, Noah. Thank you for being on. No problem. Yeah. So, Tammy, back to you. Hey. What a gorgeous young man you have. Yeah, he is. Well, Tammy, He's a sweetie. Well, thank you, both of you, so much for coming on. And um, Because, as we know, this is so much about inspiring parents, that there is a way, there can be a way. We've got to lead the way for our kids. We do. It's so important. I don't think there's anything more important. I, I think you're right. I really do. I think I think you're right because that's that's the nature of this beast anyway, isn't it? That Yes. Um, that people um, forget about the children and neglect and abandon and, and then they become dysfunctional adults. That's right. And we've got to break the back of this beast. Yeah, we do. We've, we, we're not just doing this for ourselves. We've got to break the back of this beast and we've got to change the world because we That's can't it. have it continue to be the way it is. No, we can't. Beautiful, Tammy. Thank you so much for coming Thank on. Thank you. Thank you. All right, and I'll be seeing you in the forum, gorgeous girl. Okay, sounds good. Okay. Okay, take care, Melanie. Thank you. you. Bye, Tam. All right. Bye-bye. So I hope you enjoyed the show, everyone, and please do share it around. And I really want to encourage any parents or people who still feel trapped in the pain and the abuse to take the step to join me in my next free webinar to discover exactly how these mothers were able to heal and evolve past abuse. Because it does not have to be a legacy of pain for you and your children. And if you can't make the event live, you will still receive a full recording to your email inbox. So to reserve a space in my next webinar, all you have to do is type in melanietoniaevans.com forward slash thank you dash step two dot html.
And you can also see all of the details on my blog, which is blogmelanietoniaevans.com. And I look forward to responding to your questions and comments on the blog article, which is coming out today. And let's really remember and really think about the important vital message of this part two series, which is we need to change ourselves to change our world. We need to be the change that we want to see. And if we're going to keep focusing on the pain and the abuser, we're never going to be that change. I really want you to take that with you and away with you and really, really think about doing something different if you have been completely focused on what's happening to you rather on what you can evolve inside of you. So, and I hope that you can get as passionate about this as I am for us and our children and for our future generations because that is the only way that we're going to put an end to narcissistic abuse is when we are no longer victims and there are no longer victims that can be abused. So that's it for me everybody and I'll be seeing you next week. Lots of love. Bye-bye.